tonight I would like to give the second part in the overview talk that I began. And this part is about the Eros-Psyche-Logos dynamic, or what is also known as the soul-making dynamic. Um, this is key to soul-making Dharma practice. And if you understand this, it will unlock a lot for your practice. I would like to start by acknowledging some of the premises upon which this idea stands. I would, and hopefully I, I would, will communicate some of the spirit of which this dynamic takes, partakes. Um, I want to begin to delineate the knowledge and orientation necessary for understanding and engaging this practice. And to do this, I will, during this talk, invite you into practices uh, for you to begin to feel your way into this dynamic. I'm aware that some of you are already familiar with this model. Please enter into this too tonight to see what might be learned. Um, as you know, there is a lot to this practice and it has, I would say, endless possibilities. And like with an art, as our skills and understandings develop, as our spirit is matured, as our body and senses are more and more included, then the offering of our work, and in this case the activity and the offering of your practice, can more fully partake of and serve whatever it is you are devoted to, whatever it is that inspires you, whatever it is that calls forth your dedication and love. You can find more background and more explanations that may answer any questions that you might have as a result of listening tonight in, a, in, a, in the whole series of Soul Making Dharma talks from 2014 onwards. And I encourage you to take time with those talks and practices if you wish to go further with what I offer here. And tonight I'll use a mixture of technical language conceptual frameworks, images, poetic, metaphor, narrative, and some embodied activities. Um, try them all out. I encourage you to try them all out and see what resonates for you and be open to what may not. It's true that we all learn differently. Um, so some doorways of uh, presentation will appeal to you more than others, most likely. And uh, a soul-making dharma will likely become richer for you if you can engage all of them. Your conceptual minds, your poetic sensibility, your sensuous body. Okay. So I will be describing a dynamic, meaning something that's in motion, something that's not static, something that moves. And we can look at a dynamic in technical terms, and I will to some extent, but before that I would like to describe the spirit of this dynamic as I experience it, the spirit, the character of this dynamism, of, of the soul-making dynamic. It is a potent spirit. This way of participating in perception has, and I don't feel it's an exaggeration to say, it has an incredible potential as to what can be made. It is a loving spirit. This dynamic invites us into a way of participating in sensing and seeing the world of appearances in a way that lets sacredness and senses of sacredness be restored and expanded. It's loving in its gift of restoration and expansion. Rich resonances and meaningfulnesses can be known that satisfy a soul. Depths, dimensionalities and beauty are recognised in and given to the immediate presentation of appearances, inner and outer. This is a really loving spirit. And it is a bright spirit. 
in the service of this loving orientation of restoration and expansion, this practice harnesses the unstoppable dynamism of seeing and sensing, harnesses this in, in very intelligent and discriminating ways. It's a bright spirit. I'm going to offer some of the premises that this idea of soul-making dynamic rests upon, and these are suggestions rather than taken as absolute truths, but the suggestion is that if you rest on and engage these premises, then you can enter into a soul-making dynamic. And if you want that, then as with all practice, come and take a look. So the first idea, in any moment as a human being, we're always involved in some kind of dynamic perception-creating activity. So in any moment as a human being, while we're alive, we're always involved in some kind of dynamic perception-creating activity. Through the Dhamma, we recognize the emptiness of perception, that perception is not a given, it's malleable, it's dependent on many factors, and that the perceiver is invariably active and implicated in the forming of appearances. So from this premise, in Dhamma practice, we acknowledge this and we train the heart and mind in multiple skillful ways to perceive and act in ways that reduce suffering. And you'll know that from your Dhamma practice. In soul-making Dhamma, we also acknowledge the same premises and recognize that because of this, we have an opportunity to engage this dynamic in ways that make and bring more soulfulness. Meaning, we have the opportunity to engage this dynamic in ways that bring more beauty, more sacrednesses, open up and restore senses of sacredness, bring more richness, meaningfulnesses, dimensionality. Second idea. In any moment of the dynamic act of perceiving and perception, we could usefully delineate three positions. That of, number one, the subject, the sense of self or some sense of self. Number two, the object, some sense of the object, some sense of an otherness. And number three, the concepts and conceptual frameworks that are feeding, shaping, and shaping the perception that is being formed. So these three can all be extremely subtle at times in our practice, and they can be very gross at times in our life. Concepts act as a framework for the perception. They act as a way of looking that supports and shapes and limits what can be perceived. And I also just want to add as a sub-point here that the subject, number one, the sense of some sense of self, some sense of subjectivity, is always in some kind of relational orientation to what we're calling the object. We can't get away from this. We are relational beings. The question is, how are we going to engage this relationship? Third idea, the soul-making dynamic also partakes of these three positions that weave together to make perception. And if we wish to understand, embody, and enact this dynamic for soulfulness, then we have to understand, embody, and enact these positions in a very particular way. To support this, we can usefully delineate the three positions by giving them each a name. So we will call the subject, number one, we will call eros. Number two, the object, the otherness, we will call psyche. And number three, the framework of ideas within which they meet, in which eros and psyche meet, we will call logos. Here now we have eros, psyche and logos. The fourth idea, soul-making, according to how we are using the term, happens when eros, psyche and logos are engaged, engaged in a dynamic together. 
where each acts upon the other and is acted upon by the others. And in this mutually supporting, fertilizing and nourishing field, together they make soulful ways of seeing and sensing. So they dependently arise. So as I said, understanding Erosaikin Logos and the way they work together, um, this is key for soul making practice. And so I'm going to define each of these three first, and I encourage you to listen to all three first and then look at how they might work together for soul making. Okay. And I'm going to do this now by describing the characters of Erosaikilogos, their particular orientations, knowledges, roles, functions, their wisdoms, some of the cautions. Um, and I invite you to do this in a particular way. It's like a, yeah, a little activity, a little exercise. So I invite you to imagine an equilateral triangle, an equal-sided equal triangle on the ground near to where you're sitting with the sides of the triangle about a meter in length. And at each corner will stand one of our three protagonists, Eros, Psyche, and Logos. So you decide where each goes, which corner of, of the triangle is each going to sit at, and just get to know where they are and be specific. And as I describe each character, you might find that as I say more and narrate the story, that you may imagine someone or something in that place. Or you might sense or feel a felt orientation in that place. You might have ideas that occur to you. It might be like seeing a play. You could imagine that triangle beside you like a stage and you're witnessing a scene. You're witnessing how these three characters stand and, and, and their specific um, feel and shape and backstory, so to speak. But for each of them, for Eros, Psyche and Logos, while our three protagonists may share the names and may share some characteristics or inferences with others you have known by these names, as in the myths, for example, that's natural, that's fine, but please watch for any tendency to think that one now knows what each of these words mean in this context already. Allow some elasticity so that you so that one can do justice to the creative potency of this dynamic and that's a feature of the whole soul making work that we don't finally delineate something and say that's it I know everything there is to know about this and before I begin a word about gendering while genders are attributed to Eros and Psyche in the myths I would like to keep these elastic too so I'll endeavour to use a variety of pronouns. Your soul, of course, is free to imagine as it does. Okay. So know where, where Eros is on this triangle. And first we'll turn our attention to Eros. Eros is full of desire, full of loving desire. This loving desire of Eros is the dynamic force that sets the soul-making soul dynamic in motion. Right? We need Eros. And Eros is only Eros by the context they are in, by the knowledges and the wisdom he has. Eros is a particular kind of relational orientation to an other. It's a relational orientation of a loving desire for more contact, more intimacy, more knowledge, more touching, more going into, more exploring of the beloved other. And the beloved other on this triangle we are calling Psyche. The one who sits in the seat where Eros is cannot be static or neutral. So the one who stands and sits in the seat of relational orientation, which we're in all the time, we can't be static or neutral. When Eros can stay poised with this force of loving, loving desire, then 
when they gaze upon psyche, the immediate presentation of psyche seems to call to Eros, and this call somehow speaks to Eros of unfathomable beyonds, of more dimension, more beauty, more richness that Eros wants to know. Eros wants to know that more, that they intuit, to touch it, open it, get close to it. Eros is attracted to the mysterious beyonds and Eros's arrows point and line up towards Psyche. Eros, as you see them in this triangle right now, is only Eros by the context they are in and Eros is not Eros without mastery of the dynamism of this desirous love. Eros knows that this desirous love is not his that it belongs to the more than him, the mysterious beyonds, and he is respectful of this gift of loving desire and humble in the recognition of its potency. Jung called Eros the cosmogonos, the maker of worlds. And so in recognizing this, he, she, they have poise rooted in the earth, rooted in the sky, with this force of loving attraction for the appearance of their beloved other. Eros knows her place to be a maker of worlds. Eros knows the wisdom needed with this kind of desire, not pulling away and not hiding it, not pushing it towards or flaunting it. Eros is poised, roots in sky and earth, and now Eros is ready to meet Psyche. Please now look upon the point in the triangle where Psyche appears for you. Psyche, may I introduce Psyche? Psyche is only Psyche by the context they are in the knowledges and wisdom he has. Psyche can be any appearance or image, inner or outer, when Eros is looking. Psyche is the beloved, desired other to Eros's gaze. And Psyche loves to be seen by Eros. Psyche loves to open and reveal more of their endless facets and folds of the infinite ways she can appear to Eros. Psyche and Eros mutually depend upon each other. There is no Eros without Psyche, and there is no Psyche without Eros. Psyche is not Psyche when the one who gazes upon her fixates upon her and either worships her or wishes to push Psyche away. When the gaze of the perceiver narrows, the gaze of the one in the relational orientation seats then all possibility for dimensionality, all possibility for endless depth, for multiple faceted particularities, for divinities with multiple faces, that's gone. There is no psyche, no eros, and no soul-making dynamic when the gaze of the perceiver narrows and shrinks. When the other is seen in only one way, then the dynamic of perception is making something other than soul. Psyche, to be psyche, is multiple and is seen as multiple. The multiplicity, the dimensionality, the unfathomability, it is these that make psyche beautiful. And psyche can be known as psyche when Eros can see in this way. Logos. Take a look at the point in the triangle where Logos is. Logos is only Logos in this dynamic by the context Logos is in and the knowledges and wisdoms she has. Logos refers to the conceptual frameworks that shape, nourish and limit ideas and perceptions and here Logos is the conceptual frameworks that nourish, shape and support soulfulness. 
In this dynamic, at this spot in the triangle that you're now looking upon, Logos is, is both robust and flexible. She has ways of seeing matter, bodies, worlds, space, time, selves, others, sacrednesses, practice, dhamma. She has ideas, concepts, frameworks about all these things that are well-rooted conceptually and well-rooted through their dhamma practice. Logos has his roots in emptiness. Both the idea of the middle way between insisting that things either exist or don't exist, the middle way between insisting that things are either real or unreal, as I mentioned in part one, and the implication of emptiness that perception is not a given, that there is not a single way of seeing things that is correct, final or true. And Logos is flexible because they are well-rooted. They are able to grow healthy and strong branches. And Logos, as you see them right now, has the roots, the flexibility and the brightness for simultaneously recognizing and entertaining multiple ways of seeing. As you look now upon this triangle beside you, and maybe see it as a theatre. You may recognise that Eros, Psyche and Logos are all implicated in each other all the time. They mutually depend on one, one another all the time. There isn't one of them that exists for soul-making without the others. And it helps to make them distinct, very distinct in this way, even though it's a, it's a way of playing with it. It's not the only way you will imagine, imaginatively engage this dynamic yourself, but as we're learning it, it's really a useful way, it can be a useful way to see and study this dynamic more precisely. So if this is sparking anything of interest to you, um, please, I encourage you to spend a little bit more time here. And if you're listening from home, you could turn the recording off now and resume when you feel like you've uh, at least somewhat exhausted the possibilities of thinking about and sensing what you were seeing in this theatre here. Okay. So one word before we move on, as you look upon this triangle that you made beside you, this theatre, this stage, one might say that when the dynamic of soul-making is working, that these three protagonists, Eros, Psyche and Logos, are making soul together, we might say this is akin to the improvise, improvising of a trio of musicians. And that the soul of what they do together is improvising as a trio. They're bringing about something that is unforeseen. Right? It's not scripted before. And as in a musical trio, the specific of what may come through is not prepared for. And yet we know that for good improvisation, the three musicians in this trio, the example, they're rigorously trained skilled and prepared for such a possibility as improvising. So as members of the trio, Eros, Psyche and Logos are in an intelligent and soulful relationship with themselves and with the other two members of the trio, closely attuning to themselves and to the others and an autonomous member of the trio able to hold their own. It's really important, this autonomy of each of the members of the trio. Improvisation is often talked about as being extempore, meaning out of time. And this is equally an element of soul-making that when we, you, enter into it more fully, you may well notice, in fact this is one of the things to notice, that the perception of time 
is not the usual sense of time where things appear to be running along in sequence and that some of the intimations of the sense and the perception of time that is occurring ha has a timeless quality um, out of time and we may even say that it, it seems to partake of an eternal et eternality. It's out of time. So I say those things as um, something that you might start to notice, um, both the improvising, the perception of time, the necessity for holding your own in any three of those positions. And of course, when you're in the nitty-gritty of your own meditation practice, um, you know this, uh, this supports you to be quite precise in those three positions or seeing all of those three implicated in each other as you're practicing, really being um, precise with that. Okay, so exercise two, another uh, way of learning and coming into relationship with this soul-making dynamic. So as probably many of you know, and especially if you're uh, involved in teaching at all. Learning is aided by having a playful attitude. So if you like, you can see this next exercise as an invitation to play. So the one first exercise, it may have been as if you or we were spectating at a theatre and looking at Eros Psyche Logos, getting to know them and observing them, so to speak. This time you'll be invited to enter the play yourself, to be the players in the play. And it is a play where the characters are delineated. You now know their names and they have some uh, shaping and colouring. And like in any good play, the characters are delineated. Uh, but where the scripts, the scenery, the movements, the gestures and the worlds that are created and discovered in this play are not yet scripted. That's the improvisation part. In this exercise, I will offer a second telling of the story, a bit different than the first, and you will be invited to stand in the place of and as Eros and then Psyche and then Logos, and we'll go back and forth and weave it together to unfold each of their characters with you taking that place in this dynamic of perception so that you can become more intimately acquainted with each of them and to start to see and sense and explore the dynamic they can make together. Okay. So move the mats and the cushions and Clear the space. If, it, if your triangle that you had imagined intersects with somebody else's who's sitting nearby you, then um, <laughs> improvise, find another, make another meter length triangle where each side is a meter in length. And just take a moment to go and stand at the spot you established for Eros just so that you you know it, that you're not going to have to think about where did I put Eros. Just go and stand in the spot you establish or are establishing for Eros. Same for Psyche, same for Logos. And just establish this, at, at the very least, just conceptually, like I know where they are. I'm going to give them these positions for now. Eventually, you know, as you get dexterous and skilled with this, understanding this soul-making dynamic, you won't have to necessarily think of it in a triangle. You can be fluid how you play with it, and it could be very many imaginative ways of conceiving and learning and deepening and sharing this dynamic. Okay, so you know where they all are now. Um, if for any reason you're challenged with uh, that kind of thing, you can put a, an E, a P, and an L, you know, draw them and, and, and make, it, make it work for you, make it work for you. And now sit for a moment in your triangle. 
or stand if you wish. And I want to give a word about attitude and investigation for this practice. As we go further into this exercise, get interested about what arises for you at each of these three locations, in your mind, in your heart, in your body, as you stand in each of these three positions. So keep your antenna tuned as much as you can for what shows up. And feel free to enter into this exercise as play, as play. When we're playing well, when a child plays well, we're usually thoroughly immersed, immersed and wholehearted with what we're doing, kind of give ourselves thoroughly to it. Um, and when we play wholeheartedly, we can sometimes recognize that the perception of time changes. It can be perceived as extempore out of time. Notice if this this is true. It may not be as we're learning it, but maybe as you go on, if you do this more times. And here you may consider play as a, as a mature play, but maturity need not let us lose the spirit and the dynamism of play. So how would it be to have the play of a sincere practitioner that has discernment, precision, and has a light heart, that has wisdom and imagination, a play that recognizes that we are implicated in, in what is made and that knows that if we can loosen our familiar senses of self, then we might see that it is not me doing the play and perhaps one might encounter the spirit of the soul-making dynamic in whatever way you do. It may or may not be the same as the way I um, described how I experienced the spirit of the soul-making dynamic. The point here in this introduction is keep your antennae tuned for what is soul-making. In the course of this exercise, as you tune into what's happening in body, heart and mind, if you feel moved to move or make a gesture with your hands or your body to either one of the other two members of the trio, the triad, or to in any to anything else that's meaningful for you recognize that wish to move and if it feels helpful then please follow that and helpful here could mean a number of things but it would include if it allows you to immerse and enter more fully into this play before we begin a word about the practice or about how to practice i will tell a particular story and the play therefore is going to be guided and led by this narrative. It is an invitation to get to know the characters more and to feel into them and be in them. And in terms of practice, it's pointing to very particular orientations, attitudes, skills, thoughts, feelings, etc., that you may or may not be experiencing in that moment, right? That's how it goes with practice. It, it's not like we just say, okay, I'm going to gonna experience this. We know that as experienced practitioners. But in this practice, I will not be naming and exploring the hindrances or what else occurs as well as these attitudes and orientations that I offer. That we have done elsewhere in this soul-making body of work. But for you as a practitioner, Yes, of course, do acknowledge when you're not feeling involved. That's important. You know, at times you might not be switched on or ignited by loving desire. You know, like doing meta practice, we're not necessarily, we, we practice the attitude, the orientation, the intention, but we're not necessarily switched on in that way. Or at times you might feel deficient, or you might have doubt or conceptual blocks to this kind of engagement or these kinds of ideas. You might notice that play doesn't feel very accessible to you. Know that. Be kind to that. You know, many people have wounding around our capacity to play and be spontaneous. That might surface. All of that needs care. All of that can be addressed. And as a practitioner of soul making or one who's interested here in soul making, is yes, acknowledge the dukkha and the hindrances, and yes, please also keep an eye for what might be arising in your field of attention that is soulful for you. Develop the antennae for where there is 
any meaningfulness, any resonance, where you might be struck by something, at the inference of beauty, of sacredness, where there might be an intuition of more for you to move into, where sacredness beyonds are on your radar. Know that and learn to linger there. Wherever and however that arises for you, develop your antennae for soulfulness. I will speak throughout the exercise, throughout the, the play, and my pace may or may not be attuned to your practice pacing that lets you linger and really sense things out fully. Uh, and it's an art in practice to, to have the pacing that's ours and that does justice to our practice and what we're recognizing. So you might, here's some options, you might listen through to the end and then come back later and review certain pieces so that you can uh, go further into them. And or if while I speak something is fertile for you, do pause the recording and linger there longer and do justice to what you're recognizing. Okay. So please now come and take the position of Eros, the relational poise of Eros. And please look towards Psyche, your beloved. Look with and from your body, not only your eyes. Look with and from your imagination, from your bright mind, from your heartful love of practice and your care for the world. Look with your curiosity, your attunement, your discernment, your intuition, your spiritual instinct. Eros and Psyche are lovers. Eros desires Psyche. It's a burning, juicy, switched-on desire. So you in this place need skill and poise. And Eros has poise. Neither hiding away their erotic desire nor greedy and pushy with it. Because when this happens, then we cannot call the one who stands here Eros anymore in the way that we are defining it. But you standing there as Eros are beautiful respectful of the divine root of this desire that burns through you. Gaze upon Psyche, the one your heart burns for, and let your arrows point up towards Psyche. Breathe now as Eros. Sense your body. Let your awareness widen to the whole energy body so the space of your body and the space around your body. Rooted, feet deep in the earth, rooted in the sky, right through your vertical. Let your arrows, let your horizontal arrows point towards Psyche. Breathe, what do you notice? Now come and be Psyche. Stand and be gazed upon by Eros and sense perhaps yourself being lovingly, desirously looked upon by Eros's gaze. And you love to be gazed upon by Eros's eyes that are rooted in timeless devotion to beauty. This gaze that does not scorch you, but opens you. Breathe now as Psyche. Sense your body and the space around your body. Open up the awareness if it starts to shrink and narrow and tighten. Draw yourself in if you start to space out. And come now and be Logos. Stand as Logos, gazing upon this whole scene of this whole triangle, but not distant, not gazing from a distance, completely woven into it. And you know here as Logos that your duty is to be a robust and flexible womb for soulfulness, for something to be made, for something to be born.
Sense your body, feel your heart, know your mind. Come now and be Eros and enter into the play, if you will. Let your imagination dream into whoever or whatever is in the spot of Psyche. Whoever or whatever you love, whatever you are devoted to, let that image of that, whether that comes spontaneously now or from something you know, let that be in the place of Psyche for now. And feel if you can feel your desire for Psyche and specifically your desire for more contact, more connection, your desire for getting closer to your beloved. Feel the magnetic pull that attracts you Gaze upon Psyche with your whole soul. Gaze upon the beloved mysterious otherness that stands before you. And sense your body from this place. Watch the tendency perhaps to get lost over there in Psyche's spot in the image. Watch the tendency to merge or collapse the sense of yourself and your beloved into one. Let yourself be perfectly single in your own integrity and autonomy, keeping the dynamic tension between you and your beloved. And from here, if you can see from here, from your own singleness, Perhaps you can intuit that there is even more to your beloved psyche who stands in that place. There is even more there that you would like to get to know. And falling further in love with that mysterious, with the mysterious beyonds that seem to be presented to you in the face of that one that you love, that seem to call you. Your desire is sparked and inflamed even more. And maybe it is strong at times to bear, but you as Eros stand clear and bright, guarding that spark, that fire, looking upon your love. Come now and be Psyche. And like a flower, you cannot help but open to Eros's divine gaze. You're like a sacred text that is being read right now by this one who is devoted to you, who is devoted to the face of the mystery, who is devoted to the immediate presentation of divinity that calls to their soul, and that is you. And you become illuminated as you see that your body is being read as if it were a sacred scroll. Eros's way of looking restores sacredness to your very flesh. It is beautiful. Through Eros's fine listening, the music of your soul is heard. Melodies issue forth from you that you could never have dreamed were possible. Breathing as Psyche, in relationship with Eros. And acknowledging Logos. Come and be Logos. Breathe now as Logos. And as you, Logos, gaze upon this scene into which you are woven, you are being impacted by what you are bearing witness to. You see that you are necessary for all of this beauty. Your presence, your wisdom, your strength, your flexibility allow this mutual fertilization. The womb that you offer is robust and nourishing and supporting and allowing soulfulness to gestate and be born. And seeing all of this, you soften and become more liquid and luminous 
as this divine theatre unfolds. Sense your bones, Adalogos, sense your flesh, sense your breath, sense your heart. Come now and be psyche and gaze upon Eros. You see that Eros is inflamed further by the beauty that is illuminated through you and in you and as your flesh and bones. But that flame does not burn either of you and makes no human demand upon you. And seeing this, recognizing this, you cannot help but open more as Eros the Cosmogonos regards you with the blazing and loving eyes of soul. Eros knows that you are unlimited and unfathomable as multiple and particular faces of divinity. Eros stands before you, poised and blazing, a divine and generative force. Open your awareness now to the whole triangle, as if you get a little wider than all three of you. Wider than, and also able to fluidly inhabit the place of each, each of these three. And all three of you look to each other. Each of you sees each of the other. And you start to recognize something together. Many things. But one thing you recognize is that you see that what was previously only intuited is now becoming illuminated and clearer. The beyonds that you had an inkling about, beyonds of resonances, of idea, of sensibilities, of possibilities, start to become illuminated and clearer. You recognize that the richness that you now see, while it seems to arise here and now with you, through you and in you and not apart from you, that these beauties do not belong to you. And as all three of you see this, you're stopped in your tracks. Time stands still. And you recognize that you are all rooted together in timeless devotion. Breathe and come stand as Logos. Whatever movement or gesture of body you want to make, please do. Logos, what has been seen and known by you in this dynamic encounter stretches your fabric, your edges, your ideas, your guiding and loving frameworks that you brought to this encounter, your ideas about bodies, about matter, about the world, about selves, about others, about desire, about time, about space, about perception, about divinities, about death, about life, about humans. Those ideas soften and your fabric stretches. You too are swept into this soul-making dynamic and you consent to be altered by what you see and sense. Knowing your robust root in a timeless Dhamma, you are free to grow into these new ideas that are beckoning you. New and courageous, robust formulations that are beautiful and bright, that restore sacrednesses and open new sensibilities about form, about the immediate presentation of appearance, about the making of worlds. Please take some time to play now, guided by your own intuition, attunement, intelligence, practice. To play in this triangle, take some time in each spot. Relate in with this triangle in ways that are meaningful for you. And take the time to make it yours, make it personal. Your spark, your loving desire, is what switches on this dynamic. Know what switches you on. Let that become image for you. Let that nourish and fertilize your soul. So take 
a moment to consider and keep considering actually, how do you wish to engage in this play right now? How do you want to move? Do you want to move? How do you want to think, touch, move your hands? At times, let your body lead. At times, let your imagination lead. At times, let your mind lead. We're always making something with perception of what will you make? What are you called to make? What does your soul long to make? This uh, unavoidability of being implicated in perception as a human being while we're alive with this equipment. Perhaps you can see this as a privileged possibility that while we are alive and therefore involved as instruments of perception, that this opportunity is one that does have a responsibility and it is one that is potentially very creative and one that can be full of grace if we can enter into it and see it as such. Perhaps at times you recognize the humility and sense that none of this belongs to any one of you. And yet this mysterious recognition that you are necessary for all of this. The beauty and richness and dimensionality are not yours. They're not yours. But somehow each of you is here and is a necessary participant in this act of created creating. And that can be glorious, like an inexplicable gift. So stay for a while and play for a while. What about any of this do you love? And if anything about this you love that calls to you, make it yours, enter, linger, play. And if you love it, then do as you would with any relationship that you love. Take care of this. Take care of this knowledge. Find out more about what will support you to go further with it. Study where you might run into limits and obstacles or places that are calling for healing or revivifying in your being. Practice, rooted in ethics, the understandings of emptiness and in love for beauty and in service to whatever it is that you are devoted to. Please stay and play. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.